by Playfair Capital. Rethink the way you live and work. Hello and welcome to The Chess Pit, the podcast where three guys talk about chess occasionally and we are again three today. I'm joined by my good friend Phil Makepeace. Good morning. My other good friend Robin Sarfas. Good afternoon. We are on the very last day of the year. We have just experienced the Rapid and Blitz tournaments. We are wrapping up a 2021 that I guess many people would like to forget. Um, and speaking of things that we would like to forget, we are going to once again kick off by talking about FIDE ineptitude. Uh, so Phil informs me that <laughs> Vidit didn't test uh, because he 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 would have um, would have forfeited the game um, because of time issues. There was obviously long queues for the the testing facilities in in, in Poland. Um, and yeah, so I will go to our our FIDE correspondent Phil Makepeace. Um, yeah, Phil. <laughs> okay, so about this time yesterday, lunchtime on the thirtieth, going into day two, it was quite clear that something was badly wrong. We had just recorded our day one review, and as ever. It always happens where there is something big that happens immediately after a record. And in this case, it was Nakamura, uh, the world number two, declaring that he had COVID or tested positive for COVID ahead of his flight back today. So presumably, Hikaru is not going to be able to leave Poland for a while. Um, I don't know what the quarantine rules are there, but I imagine he'll be stuck in Poland for a good week now you can't go back to the states so yeah that happened and then fide released this really pathetic tweet it's basically written by an eight-year-old going oh hikaru we're really sorry <laughs> woe is us we're really we're not going to make sure this doesn't happen again and then vidit immediately tweets from the queue for the testing which is basically just the longest. It's it's like a queue for bread, as I said. It's just the longest queue you can imagine. And this is this tiny porter cabin trying to deal with five hundred players worth of um, of testing. And it became abundantly clear, given the uh, the round was starting about forty five minutes later, the first round of day two, that uh, he wasn't going to make it back in time if he stayed in this queue. So he didn't get his mandatory test and presumably lots of other players didn't either so it was just a complete farce and then owing to Nakamura and it was a Kreb Dudin as well had to withdraw I think and a, and a couple of the female players too lower down um, they delayed the round to make sure that the players Nakamura and Dudin had played got tested and it was just a complete farce and in the end I think they delayed the first game yesterday by an hour and it's just FIDE doing FIDE things and in the end actually I think they were lucky that there weren't more I mean maybe there's more positive tests um that can show up today as people try to get home but it's just wild how they can't do anything right. The impression I got as well was that was that Nakamura failed a PCR test that he had to take before he flew, 
rather yes. than going through the the testing facilities that the FIDE were putting on. So that'll be interesting to see if, if players are showing up with PCR tests, um, which have after having gone through a whole tournament of presumably more lateral flow tests, which which don't show up these infections. Possibly, yeah. I mean, Nakamura had told the organisers that he told FIDE that he was feeling unwell before the rapid. Which I mean, it might explain his overall performance, taking lots of lots of draws. Um, he did actually remain unbeaten throughout. Uh, we we talked about this. He he defaulted in officially the first game yesterday, but that doesn't account for rating. Um, so he didn't actually lose a single game. But yeah, as we said, he took lots of draws. That might explain that. So he said to Fide, "I don't feel well." They gave him a test. It showed up negative. He then had the better test for ahead of his flight, and that showed up as positive. So I, who knows? Yeah, the, but, yeah. The, 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 the obviously there is it's, it's well known that lateral flow tests are less um, less kind of reliable. Obviously, that's their nature; they're much quicker, but less. No, um, far, they play fast and loose with the truth. The uh, lateral flow tests, but um, yeah, and you get quite a lot of false um, false negatives with them. Um, the uh, what I think it, you what it would be interesting to see if there is this like lagging effect. Right, because you would expect that obviously a lot of all players were sort of testing uh, and stuff in advance of the tournament. So in theory, you would hope that most of them went without COVID. But then obviously, you just if you know one or two of them picked up at some point, you may well see that given the rate of transmission of Omicron, you we might well see that lots of people are going to end up um, that this could end up being sort of a, a super spreader event. It's kind of hard to blame Fide for that because obviously, right. Mm. Like, well, the, the players have sort of agreed to go ahead with the tournament, right? Fide didn't make the virus and stuff. But this, no. this, this, the lack of provisions for sort of like quick testing to be done in a way that isn't, you know, like it, it, it's supposed to be like a kind of, this is like a world championship event, right? Of like sport, like, like chess, which is supposed to be a sort of serious global sport in, you know, that's what Fide would, would, would contest. And so then to have, like, can you imagine if you had like all the players at the World Cup or something had to test for COVID and they were just, you had like Mo Salah and stuff just like stood in a car park. <laughs> like, it'd just be like, like <laughs> ridiculous. And like, obviously I get that there's, you know, they had to move the venue and they were, the economic realities of the two are, are different. But um, it is just completely, completely <laughs> nonsensical. They're literally just stood queuing up for like a cabin in a car park. Like, um it's uh, it, it, it's sort of um, baffling that that was the case, and that there were because it, because it's um, so obvious that this is also going to be an area where the spotlight is going to be on them. Mm. There is the sort of the COVID preparations aspect of it, and it's going to be if it doesn't go right, it's going to be so obvious that it's gone wrong, and it's going to look terrible. You would just think from a PR standpoint, whether or not they actually care about the well-being of the play, players, right? You would still think that they have to like look like they care about the well-being of the players. And yeah, um, yeah. so it's just um, completely um, absurd. Um, but hey, uh, I've heard that you can just get uh, blocked by uh, by um, Nigel Short and then you're immune from COVID. So uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, the um, the behaviour, Fide's behaviour as it's such, has gained the attention of um, this guy, uh, Professor Jose Luis Jimenez, who's been putting together a world hall of shame for poor practices against transmission of Omicron. And so, uh, yeah, he's um, he he says, uh, yeah, indoors, many without masks or below nose or poorly fitting surgical cloth. No match for a fast spreading airborne virus. So he has added FIDE to his hall of shame. And we've also got this. Yeah, we did retweet 
uh, this uh, thing from Peter Heiner Nielsen, who's NRK, the Norwegian broadcaster, have been doing some little digging into the the COVID protocols, and uh, yeah, players told in advance that they'd be testing every two days. NRK have contacted both FIDE and the organisers. None replied. The NRK visited the doctor's office at the venue. No tests available, nor any suggestions of where to get them. So it just sounds like the whole thing might have actually just not, like, maybe these were just dummy tests. I mean, that's that, that's, a, that's a bold claim, but I mean, this whole thing is just mad, isn't it? Yeah, I think the thing that strikes that me is the that there seems to be this idea that because the because the venues was changed at late at late notice that therefore it sort of lets them off the hook when actually that's completely the opposite right the, the point is is that if they weren't going to be able to provide a pro- proper venue and and tournament conditions for like safe play then they shouldn't have moved it anyway they should have just cancelled it and that, that, i think that's the thing that i can't get my head around it is that is that when you move it when you move it from one place to another because you can't get the correct protocols in one place you've got to be sure as hell to make sure you get the protocols right when you move into the next place and they clearly haven't done that i mean even one t- one test per two days for a tournament where you're interacting with a lot of people over the course of six hours just seems insane anyway like that, that doesn't seem enough but um, yeah, I guess these sorts of issues are gonna are gonna roll on. But uh, just one one thought that I've noticed that that Japan is is showing up in the media a lot at the moment because they have really low transmission rates. And I noticed that one of the things that they've done is that they've um, put a lot of time and effort into and money, I guess, into getting filtration systems for um, indoor spaces. And that seems to be doing a really good job. So I wonder whether or not we will start seeing this having to happen. I think a lot of people kind of think vaccination is the solution, but I think there are other ways that you can actually mitigate infectious spread. And I think we'll start having to see more of these things happen. And it'll be fascinating to see whether or not FIDE gets on board with that sooner rather than later as well. Well, air anyway. things maybe air things can uh, come <laughs> yeah, in. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to just be what's the moisture in your room. It's going to be like what's the COVID content in your room. Yeah. And Nakamura is looking quite ill at the moment. Let's just check his air things device. Right, we could talk about we could talk about this all day long, no doubt. But let's move on and talk about the the actual chess. So with Nakamura out, Dubov got a walkover and then actually um kicked on himself a little bit uh, we should talk like about would... daniel dubov well we? we should yeah because he got to he got to within touching distance of the prize and then took a took a draw pretty it, prematurely like it yeah he going into the last round he was one of a number of players tied on 14 points but the key component of this being a number of players tied on 14 points many of whom were sort of playing each other like this wasn't a situation like in a in in the rapid right where where Napomnici, by drawing, uh, by sort of basically agreeing a draw very early with Caruana, he was guaranteeing himself at least a spot in the tiebreak. This was a situation where if results went Dubov's way and he got a draw, he would have got into a tiebreak. But as as it transpired, basically he took a very quick draw in round 21 um, with the white pieces and then just, and he had the book halts. So had there been a tiebreak situation, he definitely would have, played in it but it there he multiple players got just ended up on more points than him and he, he lost because that seems like a woefully short-sighted decision i mean i guess you know maybe you could argue there's i'm sure that he got more prize money for finishing 14 and a half than he would have done had he had he gone on to lose that game and finished on 14 so that but it seems like a that's pretty um it was a, a pretty, business decision wasn't a, it? yeah it's a pretty damning indictment though of how much the players see the sort of uh 
how, how, how much the players value the actual prestige of these things versus just the idea of getting the like the, some money from them. I mean, especially you think like Daniel Dubov's yeah. probably like given his like standing in in world chess. I don't know he's probably doing okay, although maybe he's uh, anticipating a sort of cut off of funds from the Russian government or the Russian <laughs> Federation in the, in twenty twenty. Perhaps he's not been allocated such a not a, like a decent stipend from the budget. So that maybe that maybe uh, maybe that's playing into his mind. Maybe he'll. Uh, Maybe maybe he should be looking for a grant from the Norwegian government or something. But uh, um, <laughs> I don't know how the yeah, tiebreaks thing works though in this situation. Would it would it be the case that he knew that if even if he won, he wouldn't be getting through? Presumably, no, no. I mean, I guess he, no, no, no. He, if he 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 had really favourable tiebreaks. So okay. the, his his point was he was basically banking on the idea that I'll draw I'll end up on fourteen and a half and then the, the and that'll be the top score and so then I'll get into a tiebreak at least or something but it was just eminently wrong because multiple <laughs> players finished on he finished on fourteen and a half out of twenty one and several players finished out on fifteen um uh, the, the tiebreak works uh, so it just adds yeah. the adds the totals of the players you've played so it just it's it's basically a strength of field tiebreak yeah. like they have in the NFL. Uh, yeah, we should say that. Yeah, after the rapid controversy, the same tiebreak playoff nonsense was in place here, mm. with um, two only two players going through to a playoff. Um, yeah, so it was always. Yeah, I mean, my suggestion was that just... for the Blitz, they should have had a they should have had a round robin classical tiebreak. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it, does, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to have a Blitz player for a Blitz tournament, right? You want a yeah, different yeah, format. Well, yeah, you, yeah exactly. all, the precedent is set that the tiebreak is always a different format to the main event. <laughs> so uh, they should you have to. You play. haven't been able to separate them in one format, so you have to go to another format. That's just Darts. what you take. Right? <laughs> they have yeah. to play like Bug House or something. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shove Yeah. That would be a way to uh, to end Magnus's domination at, uh, at the top level of chess if all the tiebreaks were like football related. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I uh, yeah so that I I guess the, the 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 playoff shenanigans that we saw there tiebreak shenanigans that we saw there were were funny because we saw Magnus collapsing in a game which meant that um, as a result uh, Ali Reza Faruja ended up not competing in the tiebreak playoff which um, yeah it seems to be a lot of narrative building up between those two um, but yeah obviously Faruja my, my buddy had a good... Jeremy is insisting that Magnus is just waging like psychological warfare against Ali Reza at this point and this is like just <laughs> a long term strategy just to completely like destroy this this teenager like like psychologically and emotionally right like just everything he seems to do did you see in the rapids where he sat down against Ali Reza and just sat down and had like a minute and a half think on move two <laughs> yeah it's definitely he's obviously throwing uh, i mean obviously i, I say uh, you know but the, the the idea being that he potentially threw against mvl yesterday just to uh just to push ali reza out of the uh <laughs> yeah, out of the yeah, time exactly. um i think interesting that both of the the players that you predicted to win the rapids were were right up there in the blitz so um i think robin you went with jan christoph and and Phil, you went with Ali Reza, and uh, there was a chance that they could both. Well, I mean, they they both finished on the the most amount yeah, of points. If, right? if Magnus had held held on to a draw against NBL, that would have been the, the playoff. I mean, I think it's not that surprising given we we chose good chess players, and and good chess players are good a, a, a among the sort of many formats. I think, but it makes <laughs> sense. They're both quite young. They're both sort of young up and coming players. Obviously, Ali Reza is like talked about a lot, and is sort of like the the, the hottest kind of name emerging on the world scene but Jan Christoph Duda is like what 21 22 22 maybe 
He's he's young. Yeah, we uh, we should um we should start pronouncing it correctly. There was a twenty minute discussion between Leko and Gustafsson of, of various Polish <laughs> names yesterday, and uh, they settled on Jan Shistov Duda. Jan Shistov Duda. Yeah, Jan Shistov. Um, well, um, who is your dark horse? I've forgotten, Robin. For the for the Blitz. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's probably MVL or something. <laughs> <laughs> Magnus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I can't actually remember who my uh, who my dark horse was for uh, for the Blitz. Um, I just remember. Look, I think I just looked at a long list of names and just was like, "Well, it could be anyone, right?" Um, yeah, I mean, I, my mine my dark horse came up with the two had was involved in the two most memeable uh, incidents from the entire <laughs> thing. So, yeah. yeah, so Tigran actually did all right. He lost his Me- final meme round Lord game. Tigran. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he lost his final round game. Uh, which meant he dropped back down the standings. But he had only been two points off the lead uh, before that, but he finished on 12th. Um, at the end of that, there's just a picture of him just sitting with his head in his hands. Uh, for He looked like he was genuinely minutes. crying. Like, yeah. Genuinely upset. Yeah, he's clearly a very emotional man. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing that he has ever done has given the impression otherwise. Um, is it worth but, mentioning yeah, that, we, uh, that we we picked Peter Spidler to do really badly at these tournaments and he just didn't even bother turning <laughs> up? We, uh, I think we're definitely in his head. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's the other the other one that Petrosian was involved in was um, Pavel Tetslav um, falling, <laughs> off, his falling chair. off his chair. <laughs> when he's um, blundered into mate in two. So Petrosian was involved in, in, in good ways. So he was, a, he was a fun horse, not so much as a dark horse. The um the, the, the exact opposite reaction of that guy who blundered mate in two against Anish when two pawns up in a Queen Endgame, who just sort of stood there like the, like sat there in the most stoic fashion, but you just seemingly just completely dead behind the eyes. Did you see? <laughs> did you see this game? I it was not. um it was two two uh, it was a uh, two connected past pawns on sort of like the I don't know maybe a. Fourth and fifth ranks, or fifth and sixth ranks, I think, for uh, for this guy playing a niche, and then he just ends up getting his king sort of a uh, in the uh, in the in the sort of nook of the two pawns, and he's just he's just hanging mate. Into... Was this Purinic? Uh, oh, I'm not sure. Kid? This was in this was in the it was back in the on the first day of the Rapids, I think. Oh, the Rapid. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That information to yeah. hand. We're covering the Blitz. <laughs> it yeah. does feel like one tournament, really, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe that's what they should does. do. They should do a, an aggregate, and that's that's yeah, make it an overworld rapid, rapid and blitz. blitz. Yeah, because that that was what really annoyed me about trying to do tweets, because you yeah. you couldn't just go round two of rapid blitz, which was the, the the hashtag. You had to actually name the thing and then put the hashtag at the end. It, it was. It's um. It's. It's interesting, actually. Just sort of on a sort of serious note, talking about this, we there are people after, um. The, the rapid were finishing sort of suggesting that 13 rounds wasn't enough and stuff we, we sort of discussed this before and, and then later on we saw people complaining uh, complaining about it on twitter as well i think uh, a couple of people had said it was um it should be 15 rounds just because obviously you get the situation where you get too many players bunched on the same number like your tournament's not long enough if you're not separate i guess the, the blitz goes to sort of disprove that right you can have as many rounds as you want but if lots of people score the same Absolutely. the same number of points you're still going to end up in that situation obviously this this um the, the blitz was a bit of an aberration uh, this year just because that was such a low winning score right like sort of a point and a half off sort of like the lowest recent winning margin which uh, is quite um 
seems quite unlikely and is obviously going to contribute to a bit of a, a bunching there's lots of attrition there but um yeah i guess it does sort of like you are you do ultimately have to have some sort of system of breaking ties um possibly not yeah. this one but i did, well, we I should did wonder we should, i was going to talk about magnus maybe just quickly i know that it's cliche to talk about him but um you mentioned yesterday, Phil, that he played really, really badly and was still there and thereabouts at the end of the tournament. And, and Robin's just mentioned that it was the lowest score ever. I mean, I wonder whether or not you guys think that the impact of the COVID disruption actually played a part in in, in that at all. Um, obviously, this isn't like a, a normal tournament. As you you have to go through all of those checks, etc. You're aware of the fact that COVID is around, and then obviously when players start pulling out because of infections, and you get messed around for an hour or so at the beginning of the day, presumably that that will impact the way that players are playing, right? Yeah, I think the um, yeah maybe you have to separate the rapid and the blitz there. I think a little bit because everything seemed to be going actually okay. At the rapid there were a few grumbles and stuff like that but it was obviously the blitz was the one where some players had actually tested positive and stuff and you just wonder if if the kind of stress associated with all those goings on was just impacted people's ability to play like at the absolute top anyone's ability to play at the absolute top of their game which led to sort of no one really sort of go, like breaking out and pushing ahead to win it which you would normally um expect i think and so that may have yeah contributed to the fact that it was just a lot of people to sort of a uh, sort of not quite at their best and, and and stuff but because they're all good players you're still going to get you know the, the the sort of the top players sort of there and thereabouts um magnus's issues i think he stemmed from the fact that he obviously got a bit behind and then was probably pushing um a little bit more going on like that like of his heart is you know that last round game right like he obviously ended up in a really like dreadful position but the, the game against nbl but he was obviously he knew that only a win would, would would do for him and stuff and he probably once the sort of the tide had turned right there was very little he could kind of um had to play for so i do um i think that would for magnus specifically right because there's so much like only really a win matters to him right he of all the players is going to care least about the prize money um mm. But yeah, it, it does. Uh, you do you do wonder how many of them just kind of wanted to get out of there towards the end. Maybe that contributed to stuff like Dudov being happy to make some draws as well. Just be like, to be honest, like I've done all right here. I'll just take my prize money and go home. Hmm. What do you what do you make of Magnus Phil in terms of obviously th th it was a fairly disappointing couple of tournaments for him. <laughs> I think that it, we're still at a point where, yeah, he what he finished in a tie for first in the rapid, and was half a point off the lead going into the final round in the blitz. He's still clearly very competitive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, it was the, the surprising factor was how many games he lost, but equally he probably won more games that way than. I don't know, like this whole thing where it's like the three-one system. <laughs> he just, um, if the three-one system had been in place, he'd have been in excellent shape uh, with the number of wins he had and very few draws. So, yeah, I mean, he clearly very disappointed, but I don't think that there's a an awful lot like generally wrong. Hmm. The, the the narrative of who he lost to is the entertaining bit, right? Where he lost to Geary, he lost to MVL. He lost to uh, who did he lose to in the rapid? Um, Shoko. No, he lost to Sochko in the in the in the. He lost, to, um, um, he lost to the um, Abusatarov. Yeah, so um, all the he's, he's, so he's lost to a kind of bunch of a, a mixture of like rivals and kids, and then Sochko's just a weird one. Um, but still, but still, absolutely caned Ali Reza. 
Yeah, like <laughs> I reckon he's that's fine. more of a meme, right, Magnus? He, he went out, lose every single game deliberately, and then just beat Ali Reza. It was just he, <laughs> the only games that he won was to make sure that he would eventually be near Ali Reza so that they get selected in a game together. Right? Yeah. Uh, let's he's talk fine. about Levin Aronian because we talked about him a lot yesterday and talked about I mean, at the time he looked like he was he was really going for it, right? So, um, Phil, what, what's your take on on Levin Aronian's tournament? It was just bizarre. Uh, he was a point and a half clear after 16 rounds. He beats Geary, and then he's on 12, 12, no, 13, 13 out of uh, 16. He's a point and a half clear. And then he just loses to MVL, who I mean, he's still then half a point clear, but then he loses to Martin Rosian and Artemiev, but then recovers brilliantly to beat Cinderov in round 20, which puts him in this um in this possible tiebreak situation but loses to Ferruja. Uh he just he just ran out of gas. We talked about maybe Cinderov would lose run, run out of gas and that happened to him as well. Um Cinderov in, in the end well he he didn't quite run out of gas as such as just didn't play as consistently as he had on day 1. But yeah, Ronian just he had this weird one against the MVL was such a weird game where he had he's a point and a half clear. And Leko on commentary is going, just play. It was a such and such move, like uh, King G7 or something. Just play this move, just or Rook D8. Just play Rook D8. Just swap everything off. Take the draw. Move on. You're miles ahead in the tournament. And he just didn't quite have that practicality for leading a tournament, but a tournament by so much that he was continuing to play for wins, which is admirable in one way, but he just can. These both all three of those games followed that pattern of just playing for wins when he really should have just settled for draws, and it would have been enough easily because he mm. yeah finished with there's one a, there's loss. A, there's, <laughs> there's a romantic way of looking at it, right? Which is that he cares about you know he's trying to get every, get the most out of every game, right? And he's not you know necessarily just playing for sort of his, you know because it is a you could one could argue it's a slightly cynical mentality to have, right? To say, okay, well, I'm just ahead, play for draws, right? And like uh, when you, he might be saying, well, I want to, you know, play the best, play the best move in any situation, right? Which, which I think might lead me to win and stuff. He does, but with that being said, he does have a a, a reputation, erroneous for not always performing, sort of when the the, the the pressure's really on. He's never done that well in the candidates, for example. Um, so um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame for him because um, he's by all accounts a very nice guy. Um, good to see him um, put in a, a good performance. Though, should we? Should we mention? We should probably talk about the actual winner. Yeah, we should talk <laughs> about MVL. Especially oh, because... I think we've mentioned who won over the entire course <laughs> of this. Uh, this. Uh, this. Episode. Well, it's a very left field winner, isn't it? Because uh, up until a few days ago, we were talking about how MVL had probably had twenty twenty one to forget. Pretty much, she bombed out of the candidates um, and, and came second in the candidates. He came yeah, second, John. Yeah, but he still bo- <laughs> he bombed out in terms of like we expected. He had the lead to, and didn't. He win, had the lead right, and yeah. then obviously didn't. Yeah, um, and then. Obviously, there's been there's just been it's not been a great year for him, and um, we saw him tweeting a few days ago complaining about the the, the uh, situation in Poland for the for these tournaments, and um, yeah, in the end, turns around and and wins things. So yeah, what did you make of MVL, Robin? It's another psychological blow for Ali Reza, that uh, another French guy, another person, well, <laughs> representing France, uh, won. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously he's an excellent um, player of fast time controls. Uh, it was, um, and I guess it, given his uh, particular style of um, play, which is that he plays 
quite narrow stuff, right? He always plays the same openings, basically. Probably in 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 blitz, you know, when there's there's going to be less like preparation and stuff against him in these sorts of tournaments. Um, so that probably works well for him. But yeah, it's it's nice to see. He obviously, loves love like he he's obviously just absolutely loves chess, does MVL uh, and stuff. So it's sort of nice for him to end the note end the year on a high. And stuff when he obviously um you know he was he was clearly in bad form not just at the candidates but sort of looking at uh, sort of the online play and things like that he's uh, had quite a lot of poor results and stuff and seemed to be the pressure of leading in the candidates seemed to sort of weigh on him in the in the gap between the two so sort of that was obviously mostly in 2020 um but yeah hopefully he'll emerge from this and and, and there's still plenty of chess left in NBL I think so um hopefully he, he might have about a uh, bit of a bounce back he's playing in the uh the Grand Prix right so um It'd be uh, nice to see him put in a good showing there. He must be sort of uh, probably in the sort of second or third kind of a group of people favoured to do well in the Grand Prix, I would expect. Hmm. Yeah, Phil, Phil, do you expect to see him in the candidates this this coming year? It's such a, a broad and strong field who haven't qualified yeah. yet, right? I mean, you've got yeah. all of these guys in there, Geary, so Ding... You're saying you would expect Aron- to Aronian see him himself. Would be pretty, that'd be a pretty bold take to say you expect to see him in there, but he's certainly in with a chance, right? He's you know up there with those players. Um, Clearly, he's playing well. Uh, yeah. it's, it can't be bad for him. Uh, I mean, his, his day two performance was just unreal. He he got seven out of nine and just kept scooting yeah. through, which is extremely good. Con- yeah. Considering that that's the point at which the t- you know your your play, you expect your harder games to be on gate day two, right? Once the field uh, becomes a sort of order, it gets once the order sort of makes itself more, 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 uh, more felt. Um, and we should talk again about the uh, Central Asian teenage stars again. So Asa Baeva crushing in the blitz after a silver in the rapid. So nice to see there. Um, Phil, any thoughts on that? Yeah, clearly there's there's a bunch of these Central Asian teenagers coming through, both in the men's and women's game, and it's it's it's, it's you know emerging markets. It's good. It's good for the game, and uh, clearly there's a lot of investment being uh, happening there. And something's. I, I I don't really know what Kazakh and Uzbek, uh, sorry, Kazakhstani and Uzbekistani. Those are the nationalities rather than the uh, ethnicities. Uh, what their infrastructure looks like, but I'm assuming it takes its lead from sort of ex-Soviet um, things, and maybe they have some very good coaches. But something is there's something's brewing. I mean, it's not you can't. It's not just like one player. This is three or four, right? And so things are happening. It feels it's also it's different when you compare it to like for example the growth of players from China and India because those countries obviously have such massive populations and you the talent pool is so broad right whereas um, not that the Central European countries are small per se but it's not um, you put it this way in a, in a there's a wide range of sort of sports or fields where you're seeing huge growth in sort of representation of, of people from from India and China that's not the case already for a lot of these Central Asian Asian countries so it's, it's it's very interesting to see and it must be that there's sort of a a um a decided effort has gone into sort of the infrastructure and the development there um yeah and um i guess to 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 cap things off with the most important topic of of the tournament i know that phil feels very strongly about peter lecco's lack of a second screen and unfortunately those those problems were not resolved phil it was just ludicrous, wasn't it? I mean, we were we were sort of talking to each other yesterday, and 
you were you were saying that yeah it, it's just embarrassing is it not just to have someone asking who who's leading the tournament when they're commentating oh, yeah. on it <laughs> i would um i would actually like to see leko not have any screens I would like to see him. He's trying to come and he's just having, just yelling the whole time. What's going on? Who's playing? What movies have been played? <laughs> That's what he was doing anyway. To be yeah, fair, basically but... attempting to hold like a hundred, like a sort of like ninety board simul in his head, <laughs> which he also has to comment on. <laughs> yeah, it, it was mad, and um, yeah, I, I mean, he got to the he got to the uh, the nineteenth round of the blitz, and he had no idea how many games were left. Things like that, um, yeah. which I kind of thought was funny. And um, yeah, the 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 interplay between him and Jan Gustafsson is just is hilarious is, as well. Like the, especially... the most sardonic man and the most innocently like face value man ever having conversations about things was was yeah. quite funny. Yeah. Le- Leko is always extremely earnest. And, yeah. um, very and Jan sort of... is very much never earnest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and between those two, it it makes for good watching. I think. Yeah, we've had a couple of questions from John Gallagher uh, via Twitter, asking about this kind of stuff. So, the first one was, yeah, with chess twenty, with yeah, with chess twenty four, not test twenty four. We've talked a lot about tests today, but I've heard that chess twenty four twenty four are going to be the next sponsors of the uh, feed day sponsor of the album. <laughs> with chess 24 presumably having lots of money how have they wound up relying on their commentators home wi-fi uh because yeah yarns was dropping in and out a little bit it it i guess it's it's hard to do i mean what you you because what you can you can yeah well and also you can send them like what like a, a 5g kind of mobile box they can plug to their computer or whatever so that's still ultimately relying on someone else's like infrastructure right they, they're, just, they're not going to be like doing massive infrastructure works in like hamburg or wherever it is that gustafson lives to like pump in some like extra fast fiber broadband for him um as particularly when like they, they have such a wide stable of commentators and stuff i kind of think it's just the nature of things that you're going to get if you've got online broadcasts and stuff that's going to be the it's going to happen right you see it happen in you know all sorts of spheres so yeah, I mean, it was funny that Jan's daughter kept coming down, joining in the commentary, complaining that she couldn't watch her Disney films because the Wi-Fi was so bad because <laughs> everything was being taken up by Jan doing com- her daddy doing commentary. Uh, the second question was, what's the story with Jan Gustafsson's French? Now, I'm assuming this is French language rather than the French opening. French defence. <laughs> was it? Because, well, yeah, because he was going, he was all the time, he was going, allez les bleus. Like that was his sort of stock phrase every time someone like pushed a pawn. Allez le bleu. Did you catch? Just, up? Did you pick up on this? I think I, he's just a bit of a like a memer, right? He'll just start saying stuff and he'll just kind of run with it. I feel like that's uh, that's that's. There's not too much to read into this. Um, uh, I don't know. Vladislav, baby, you don't hurt me. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was a good line. Um, and it was very well, it was very apropos, it was very well delivered at Presum- the time. Because... Presumably met with a completely like non-class <laughs> reaction from Peter <laughs> Lecco as well. Met with a what's going on from Peter yeah. Lecco. Yeah. Uh, um, I have a lot of time. Yes, for, yes, I have heard this song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now back to the chess. <laughs> I imagine that off air, he's just like, Jan, why do you keep not talking about the chess? <laughs> uh, yeah. But it would be good to see more of Jan Gustafsson um, in commentary this coming year, preferably with his sidekick, 
Peter Svidler, um, who, since we've driven him away from competitive chess, may become a reality. Um, but uh, I think this pretty much brings us to the end of a, what's been a, a large, large and rambunctious um, review of, of what went on in the in the Blitz tournament this uh, this time round. We will be back next week with a bit more of a retrospective looking back on 2021 looking forward to 2022 and i guess as part of that phil you wanted us to to put a shout out for people to talk about what they think that the top 10 lists for for both men's and women's will look like in a year's time so when we get to the end of the rapid and blitz 2022 who do we expect to see in that top 10 um rank rating system and um, is, is this quite this is seems quite labor intensive to have to come up with a top 10 yeah i i thought so but then i looked at the top 10 and i was like who do i basically you have to think who's going to drop out and who's going to yeah replace I, them. I, I think i think maybe it, it might be simpler just to ask for suggestions of who who's who's likely going to yeah, maybe in, three players three players who are going to drop out of the top the, 10 I'll put this way, i'm not bothering with i'm not coming up with a whole list of 10 so yeah I, show, I, so. I don't to be honest i don't think it's that much of hard work i, I guess the difference the thing is is just going to be like three players who drop out three players who, who pop in so yeah maybe that's the better way of doing it so yeah and yeah nice to nice to have people asking nonsense questions um if, if anything it, it detracts away from us asking nonsense questions so thanks for that john james gallagher um but yeah we should bring this to a close because this is easily one of the longest live streams we've done but it's been good fun it's been good fun year um streaming with you guys i think it's been great doing the world championship into the rapid and then blitz so um hopefully we'll be able to do more of this as time goes by but i will draw this um stream to an end and i'll press the end broadcast button and then wait for the the wheel of death to go around but thank you both for for, for coming on again